I'm trying to write a song about Santa Claus, man. Have a holly jolly Christmas. Jingle bells. It's the best time of the year. Now a little musical Christmas gift for you folk out there. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Huh, are you kidding? Stick my tongue to that stupid pole, that's dumb. That's cause you know it'll stick. You're full of it. Oh, yeah? Yeah! Well, I double dog dare ya! I triple dog dare ya! I'm singing, I'm in a store, and I'm singing! I'm in a store, and I'm singing! Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is! I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Would you walk home with me? Uh-huh. Rudolph, I think you're cute. I'm cute! I'm cute! Ah, fragile! It must be Italian. Well, I think that's just fragile, honey. Oh, yeah. What is it? Do you know what this is? This is a lamp! Before we begin, since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in the saying of grace. What, dear? Grace! Grace! She passed away 30 years ago. They want you to say grace. The blessing! I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Amen. 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 You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown! Jack Riccardi, 4 till 7. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Merry Christmas. That was fantastic, Don Cooper. Nicely done. That was my entire Christmas movie shelf. All in two minutes. I think I'm watching Christmas Vacation tonight. I think that's it. It's time for Aunt Bethany's Blessing at my house. How about yours? How you doing? You doing all right? Welcome to our Friday show. It will include The Dish coming up in our 6 o'clock hour. Three action-packed, thrill-packed hours, all of them live, all of them dreadful. And you're here for it on 550 and 1071 KTSA. This guy has really, um, I don't know, he's really gone off the uh, deep end this year. You know this guy, Jim Cramer, uh, who's on CNBC. He, he Now he dresses up real nice, but when he was making his name for himself with mad money, remember he'd always wear like shirt sleeves and they'd be all bunched up and rolled up like he was Rosie the Riveter or Howard Dean or something? Now he wears suits, and they, they, they've, they've made him kind of like the elder statesman of, of, uh, of CNBC. Jim Cramer said the other night, the government has a right to force you to obey. He's very big on, on vaccine mandates, thinks we need them, more of them. And he said the government has a right to force you to obey. And I, I keep wondering what the, the bosses at CNBC are thinking, because the C in CNBC really should stand for capitalism. People that are watching CNBC are people that are working and investing and creating. They're interested in profits. They're interested in, in you know, building a better mousetrap. It's not a loser channel. It's not a slacker channel. But they've got a bunch of communists and socialist weirdos on there, and I don't know why they're doing it. It's like they're driving their audience away. It's unwatchable. And this guy, Kramer, his cheese has slid completely off the cracker. The government has a right to force you to obey. Governments don't have any rights at all. If you understand the concept of rights, only individuals have rights. 
and individuals have rights that are divine and inherent to our existence. They are what make us humans, make us individuals, and they're fundamental. Um, so rights don't come from the government, and government doesn't have any rights. And nowhere in our Constitution, for example, does it say the government has the right to do anything. It's The Constitution is a set of, of uh, guardrails that pen in what the government can do. But if you're in love with mandates, you you know, then I guess you think the government has right. You know what you know what people like Jim Cramer remind me of? I'm gonna say this, it's gonna sound very harsh, but I don't care. The Jim Cramers of this world were the people that held open the cattle car doors in Nazi Germany. That's who they were. And I'm sorry, but uh, you know, it has to be said. People like Jim Cramer held the door they held the gate open to the camp. Now we learned today that the uh, we didn't learn today. We've learned over the course of several days that the White House was in talks with the um, the big teachers union, American Federation of Teachers, during the time they were fashioning and crafting the guidance for reopening schools. So, in other words. If you ever wondered about the closure of schools and the reopening of schools being political, this takes the mystery away. In a series of emails that are now being reported by multiple news organizations, including Fox and Daily Caller, it's clear now that the CDC, which is the science, right, was coordinating with AFT and NEA over labor disputes in cities like Chicago. So they were actually... Um, gating or adjusting for the need to reopen the schools based on the labor negotiations of the teachers' unions. And um, I, I love teachers, and I respect the, the work that teachers do, but teachers' unions are evil. And um, I, you, you have no excuse for defending teachers unions you don't have to defend teachers to me because i respect the the craft the profession but teachers unions no and here they are saying in in emails back and forth well we need to consider the reopening of schools in the context of contract negotiations so keeping the schools closed somebody explained it this way keeping the schools closed put the teachers unions in a better position to bargain for more benefits that's like holding your kid hostage for a better contract you know, when you think about that and you think about Jim Cramer, it puts me in mind of an old quote that George Bernard Shaw once said. He said, the art of government is the organization of idolatry. It's really not Democrats versus Republicans or the left versus the right. It's really people who um, believe in and worship at the altar of government versus the rest of us. That's really the division I think we have, more than any other division. I think that's the division that we have. Um, when our country was founded, the people that founded it had this idea, and they, they didn't invent these ideas, they read these ideas. These were ideas that had been kicking around in scholarly circles for decades in the 18th century. But they had this idea that even when you had a democracy, meaning you had a body of people elected to represent the greater population, those people in that parliament or that congress or that assembly, they couldn't simply declare 
what was right and good. It had to come from some accepted sense of right and wrong. There had to be a higher authority than government. Ask people like Jim Cramer if there's a higher authority than government. They can't, they, they'll, they'll stammer. Because for them, that is the highest authority. There's news out of South Africa today about their um, Omicron onslaught. They are reporting today a much lower rate of hospitalizations than um, than expected at this point. To put it in perspective, right now, only 1.7% of COVID cases are being admitted to the hospital. It was 19%. In the same week of the Delta wave, this is the Omicron wave. So more evidence that this strain is milder and they think infections in some parts of South Africa have already peaked. It should be noted South Africa has a younger population than this country does and they have a lot more people that have had COVID, so have natural immunity than we've had. Uh, But that's just something to think about as you hear the Omicron panic that's spreading. I heard Tucker Carlson saying last night, and I think it's good advice, if you're around people that are still talking about COVID all the time, just get away from them. And I was thinking about that today. I had coffee with a friend of mine this morning, and um, it was so nice to not talk about COVID. It was so nice to talk about our dogs and our families and our work and our you know, plans for the holidays and not to talk about and, and, and we've spent so much time. I don't mean we on the radio show. I mean we in our lives. We have spent so much time, 2020 and, and really almost all, if not all of this year, on illness avoidance. Life is not just about not getting COVID. I mean, by all means, avoid getting COVID. Everything I hear about it is, is lousy. Take your steps. Take your precautions, but live. Live. And live for some other purpose than not getting COVID. Don't organize your activities around not getting COVID. Don't don't pass every decision through the filter of, is this risky for COVID? Because we, we, we just can't do that. Or if we do that, we will become these organisms that are not fully human. And it would be the same thing if you lived your entire life trying never to bump into something or lived your whole life trying never to um, stumble or, you know what I mean? Or if you lived your whole life trying to never get a cold. I mean, you could do that. But imagine that existence. That is the existence for a lot of people right now. Unbeknownst to them and, and not because they chose it, but because they've been brainwashed into it. But if I can, this is my last show of the year, so I want to say this with sincerity, and it's on my heart, and I mean it. And I hope that it's not something we have to argue about. I hope there's no argument to it. Live your life. Don't live your life about COVID. Remember that Leon Womack song? Was that about 20 years ago? She had a big country music hit. I'm not a big country music guy, but she she had this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song that's been played at a million weddings and graduations ever since it came out, and it was called I Hope You Dance. And the whole point of the song was to tell a young person to grab every moment. And it had lyrics like, May you never take one single breath for granted. God forbid you, uh, you ever, that love ever leave you empty-handed. 
The whole point of the song is live fully. Don't live around one aspect. Don't 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 stay bitter about one thing. Don't grab on to hang on to disappointments. So COVID's happened. COVID's here. But we got to live. And I hope you dance. I want you to know it doesn't bother me, but every time we talk about something going on in the schools, I get flamed by teachers. And I know there's two kinds of, of people out there. There's people who hear me say it and want to take issue with it, which I can respect. And then there are people who have heard about me but didn't hear me say it. And I don't respect that. If you're going to take issue with what I say, then you have to hear what I say. That seems reasonable, right? I don't, I, I don't, I don't demand that everybody listen to my every word, but if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, come at me, come at me correct with what I actually said. So every time we talk about something that's dysfunctional in the schools, you have heard me say this every time. I respect teachers. I respect teaching. I respect education. We need it. I have teachers in my family. I probably would be a teacher if I wasn't doing this. But when we talk about, for example, the story this week out of California with the girl being um, uh, basically behind her, her mother's back, being approached, groomed, and persuaded into thinking she was gender fluid or trans fluid or whatever the term is, break fluid, whatever the term is, that w- w- when we have stories like that, it is important for people to understand that's happening. And I am telling that story for the children. I'm not telling that story for the teachers. So I had a guy write to me this long, long, self-absorbed letter about how wonderful he was and how terrible I am and how wrong I am and I lump all teachers together, which is not true. And he said, you always make it sound like this is happening everywhere when it only happens in liberal states. Well, the thing that happened in California has happened here. And, sir, if you're listening, I'd be happy to share that with you because, in fact, I heard from people yesterday who said it happens here in San Antonio, in school districts in San Antonio. Same thing. Same story as the one in California. But here's what I want to say about, if you're a teacher right now, here's what I want to say to you, and I hope you'll take this to heart. I am not telling these stories to attack your profession. In fact, you couldn't be more wrong about me. We need your profession. I'm asking you to do better. I'm asking you to step up. I'm asking you to drive out of your your hallowed profession these practitioners of crap and bullshit that they're putting on our kids. Pardon my language. I'm asking you to help me. I'm asking you to join me. I'm not running you down. I'm not trying to make you feel bad on the way home from school. I want, we need you. Our kids are falling behind the world. We need you. We can't do it all. We, very few of us could possibly impart to our own children a fully well-rounded education. We need people that are professionals at that, that know how to do it, that know how to inspire and make trigonometry fascinating and understandable and what have you. But, But you've got to understand, this is about our kids. This is not about you. Stop being so damn thin-skinned about every story about the teaching profession and the teachers' unions and these abhorrent things that are coming to light now that people are going to school board meetings. I'm trying to break this to you as gently as I can, but you need to be 
you know, we need to grab you by the shoulders and shake you. It's not about you. You're a grown-up. No offense, but I'm not worried about you. This is about our kids. And if you want to know why I talk about it and why I'm visceral about it, I have one. And in every one of these stories, I see a little bit of my own kid. And I know that that's how people relate to it. And maybe if you're not a parent, you don't relate to it, and you wish I would move on to something else, and I will. But you teachers have got to understand that. And if you take every one of these stories as a personal insult, you are missing not only the point, but you are missing the opportunity your profession affords you. I don't know why you became a teacher. That's between you and God. But I would presume it has some something to do with some level of value that you place on young people as the future. You want to have a part in that. You want to help craft and shape that. Well, I want you to, I want to help you do that. I want you to help us. I'm going to keep talking about it until they take me off the show. So I'm not going anywhere. You don't have to listen. And maybe the guy that wrote has already turned the dial. I don't know. He says he likes NPR a lot. So maybe that's where he is. Fine. No problem. But that's why we talk about it. Get over yourselves. Okay? Get over yourselves. This is not Teacher Appreciation Day. Sorry. That's another day of the year. Get over yourselves. This is about our kids. And if you don't have the message yet, there's a lot more of us who will be sending that message until things get better. Jack sounds like he needs a hug. I would hug him, but COVID. I don't know. Maybe he'd yell at me. All right. Um, I had a good laugh, actually, over this. This was in Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg News this morning. You, you'll know where I'm going with this. They had this, this exciting story uh, about how the shipping industry, the, you know, the cargo ship industry, is going to um, you know, reduce its carbon footprint. You'll love this. It's incredible. It's ingenious. They're going to use, now stay with me, they're going to use giant pieces of fabric formed into kites that will drag cargo ships across the ocean. No one's ever done this before in an attempt to reduce the carbon footprint of the shipping industry. You might, you might call them, just to coin a, a word, you might call them sales. Yes. This person who wrote this article apparently is unfamiliar with the recent history, but yeah, they're sailboats. So we might, we might go back to sailing ships delivering cargo. I wonder how long that will last. Okay. Um, why do I get the feeling that you and I will have to wait for sailing ships and the beautiful people will still get their stuff uh, brought over on uh, diesel powered uh, ships, right? Yeah. That's what I think, too. Uh, 210-599-5555. You know, when you think about all the stuff we've talked about over the course of the year, um, it kind of boils down to a simple, I guess you'd say a simple axiom or a simple truism. The people we are electing do not understand what they were elected to do. You know, years ago, it used to be a knock on politicians that they were just trying to make their voters happy. Oh, he's just for that to please his base, or she's just doing that to make it. But that was actually better than what we have now. For example, 
if the media would stop scratching their head over Biden's approval ratings, I could explain to them very easily what's wrong with, with all of this. Obviously, the people that didn't vote for him don't like him. They haven't grown to like him in the last, you know, 10 months. But what's happened to Joe Biden is that the people that voted for him didn't know this is what they were getting. So I heard the story in the news that Katie had about the Build Back Better bill and, oh, it's, 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 it's being delayed. This is not what people voted for. You know, uh, this bill is so, so hugely outside the norms of what government has done in our recent history, that there's no way the people who voted for him voted for this or had any conception that this was coming. They can tell themselves, and the line from the White House is, oh, well, once once the bill passes, the president's approval ratings will go up. No, they won't. <laughs> no, they won't. Once it becomes law, your problems will be even bigger. Then more people will know about it. Remember Pelosi, you find out what's in the bill by passing it. People will find out. You may know now, but people will find out when it's passed. And this is the odd thing about politics right now. People are very concerned about the border. He won't go there. They're disappointed in the exit in Afghanistan. He thinks he did us a favor. They're saying, let's go, Brandon. He thinks they want to have sex. It's not, this is a massive disconnect between who voted and what they're getting. And I hear the, the, the strategists and the pundits, the, the people that are supposed to be smart about this stuff, saying, oh, well, his, once he gets more of his agenda in place, people will like him. I don't think that's it. I, I, this agenda is itself the problem. Succeeding with it is not going to make it better. 210-599-5555. Here's a story today from um, CNN. General Motors may be stuck with the bolt, even if it makes sense to dump it. Now, General Motors is in the middle of, of switching its lineup to electric vehicles in the coming decade. The one electric vehicle in their North American vehicle lineup right now is the Chevrolet Bolt. But they've stopped building the Bolt because they need every available battery pack that the Bolt uses to repair the 140,000 Bolts they've already sold. They've recalled all of them because there's fire uh, dangers uh, while they're charging. It's a $2 billion recall. It's one of the biggest recalls ever. And they need the battery pack so they can't build any more of the bolts. I just wonder how many of these companies and their strategies for electric really are driven by uh, wokeness versus the car guys in the company and the, the people that actually are in tune with and in touch with what consumers want. Electric vehicles are definitely coming, and they're definitely part of the future, and there's an inevitability to them, I believe. But the facts do not support the thesis that that's all we'll have, that's all we should have. So you, you, This is going to sound familiar to you. You can be pro-electric car without thinking that what we're doing right now is smart or sensible. I don't think it is. Now, as we talked about the other day, this isn't even new. You know, electric cars are not new. Electric cars are as old as the car. 
55. So um, talking about all of that, I noticed today is National Ugly Sweater Day. Uh, I'm sorry, National Ugly Christmas Sweater Day. Do you have an ugly Christmas sweater? I don't, I don't think I do, actually. I, <laughs> I'm, when I put on a sweater, it becomes ugly. All my sweaters are ugly when I wear them, but I don't think I have an actual ugly Christmas sweater. But well, you know what's interesting about the ugly Christmas sweater is I can remember when people would wear an actual Christmas sweater with irony. You know, like, you know, they'd wear it and you wouldn't have to say anything. You'd get chuckles or reaction. Now they actually sell in the stores, I've seen it, things that are labeled the ugly Christmas sweater. So that went from being something that you, you know, was in the eye of the beholder or that you kind of came up with on your own and now, now they make, it seems something, that seems to ruin it. Like the whole point of the ugly Christmas sweater was that maybe the guy wearing it doesn't know. And the ones they're selling now are so obviously meant to be ugly. They're like over the top, you know. If you want to have an ugly Christmas sweater, you probably just need to dig out one of those late 80s, early 90s sweaters that were actually in fashion at that time. You remember the ones I'm talking about that had like a million colors and they were, you know, it made your eyes hurt? You know, just pull one of those out, put that on. Good to go. Ugly Christmas sweater. Done. Uh, 210-599-5555. Roland is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Roland, good afternoon. Happy Christmas. Hey, happy Christmas, uh, Jack. I just called in, Jack, uh, twice this year. I'm very thankful for ideas you gave me. A couple of months ago, you said, read the book Arsenal of Democracy, speaking about cars and how they fit in line with uh, what's going on with the country. Back in the 40s, for World War II, uh, of course, General Motors, uh, Ford Motor Company had to fight with the Roosevelt administration to start building cars for the war effort. It was an excellent book. I recommend it to all your listeners, but thank you for that one, Jack. And also, you just recommended Leanne Womack's uh, a song, I think it was called Dance. I just listened to that, and that was a great song also. So, um, Jack, I always have a, a thoughtful uh, idea whenever you're speaking about current topics, and I just want to say thank you, brother, for that, and for oh. that I'm grateful. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes, very, very nice of you to say, Roland. Thank you for that. Thank you for saying that. I hope you and your family have a great, wonderful Christmas as well. We're talking about... Uh, politics and covid and all that but i want to ask you about something else that's um i think i think this is a question anybody and everybody could probably answer um i would like you to tell me where you think the best areas or neighborhoods to drive around and look at christmas lights are I, i know about windcrest and i think windcrest Correct me if I'm wrong. I think Windcrest is still doing it. I've heard people say, oh, it's not as good as it used to be, but people say that about everything. But besides Windcrest, where do you like to drive around and look at Christmas lights? And I'm talking about not like a place where you'd pay admission and you'd go in. And you, I'm talking about just, just you're driving around with the kids or you're driving around with the family or a date or your spouse. Where are the best places to drive through? Where are the neighborhoods? You can name streets. You can name subdivisions. Where are the best places to see Christmas lights? Like, I've always heard, and I've never done this, I've always heard that Deerfield, which is the neighborhood off of uh, Blanco inside 1604, kind of between Bitters and 1604, I've always heard that they have amazing, people really deck it and go all out with their Christmas lights uh, in Deerfield. Is that true? Does anybody, anybody back that up? 210-599-5555. All right, we're looking for places, uh, best driving 
destinations to look at Christmas lights where you don't have to get out of the car, you don't have to pay a admission, you just drive through, cruise through, enjoy the lights. That is something I remember as a kid doing that my parents would do with us. And we would do it, we would usually go to Mass on Saturday evenings. I mean, all year round, not just at Christmas. But it was a thing my dad would do. He wouldn't say anything, because this is how he was. He, he'd make a big, he was very low-key, he wouldn't make a big deal out of it. But we would get in the car after Mass, like the Saturday before Christmas, or a couple of Saturdays before Christmas. We'd get in the car, and right away you, you could tell, he's not going right home, where are we going? And we would start just, he would just start, meandering around and as a kid i didn't know how he knew which neighborhoods had the lights i don't know if he did know maybe he was just trial and error i don't know but uh, where do you like to go where do you like to drive through if you take your kids or your grandkids or you remember doing it or you're gonna do it 210-599-5555 we'll talk about that um this is an interesting story uh do you know who michelle tafoya is Michelle Tafoya, uh, I guess I have to say, was um, a sideline reporter for NBC Sports. She's very good at what she does. She's been on television a long time. Uh, she also does a radio show, a local radio show in Minneapolis that's very good. Smart lady, good at what she does, and um, I guess not. I guess not going to be doing uh, the NFL anymore uh, for NBC. She went on The View. And um, she was talking about Colin Kaepernick, and he has a new Netflix series. We talked about this a, a few weeks ago. In his Netflix series, Colin Kaepernick, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers, compares playing in the NFL to slavery. That The guys that play in the NFL are the modern-day slaves. He doesn't say it's a little like slavery, it's all on. It's all in. He's, you know, it's, it's, it's the equivalency of slavery. And he's saying, you know, the, the owners of the teams are white men. The term owner is being used. The players are mostly black. So it's white men who own black men. Um, obviously, you don't need me to illustrate the problems with that comparison <laughs> there are many but michelle tafoya went on um the view and basically um in a very reasonable way uh called this out and said you know i've been around the nfl for a quarter of a century and these nfl players are are playing because they want to and it's not a good comparison it's they, they play willingly they are very well taken care of, which is true, by the way. They get, obviously, as you could imagine, even if you're not a sports fan, they get the very best medical care. They have state-of-the-art fitness centers. They have trainers. They have dietitians. They have psychologists. They have everything. If they want it, not all of them avail themselves of it, but they certainly have all of the things no slave ever dreamed of having. She said they play a hard sport, but they love it. And they do it willingly. And they make a very good living. And people are saying, is this why, all of a sudden, NBC wants to wash its hands of Michelle Tafoya? Now, I think what she said is right. But even if you disagreed with it, have we really come to a point where 
you can't express that mild an opinion, that mild a criticism. Is Colin Kaepernick an ice sculpture? Is he made of porcelain? Is he is he going to break if he hears that Michelle Tafoya doesn't like his his angle? <laughs> I mean, really? And I have to say this because Michelle Tafoya is the same age as me, and I if I was her, I would get myself one hell of a lawyer, and I would bring one hell of an ageism. Uh, litigation or lawsuit against NBC Sports. Because I bet you anything, we're going to find out that her replacement is 20 or 30 years younger, and maybe that's really what they're doing here. Maybe she just gave them an opening and they took it, but wow. I mean, I I guess I would think that if you're Colin Kaepernick and since, and you sincerely believe that, that in this argument you're making... Wouldn't you relish some pushback and some debate? That means people are paying attention. They're they're actually hearing you. I mean, as opposed to just thinking what you said is so ridiculous, I'm not even going to address it, she addressed it. Where I come from, that's kind of a compliment. 210-599-5555. So we'll talk about that. We're talking about Christmas lights. Where's the best place to go see them? Drive around and go see them. Um, a lot of people say... Windcrest, I've done that. That's great. I've heard some good things about Bernie and Comfort. Um, uh, uh, My producer and I were talking about this. Uh, He was saying Johnson City. Go up to Johnson City. What do you hear? Where have you been? Where do you like to go? 210-599-5555. David's calling in on that on KTSA San Antonio. David, good afternoon. Good evening, Jack. How are you today? Good, sir. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Hey, the best place to go, hands down, actually is Johnson City. Uh, we go there every year, and the reason, it's the home base of PEC, Pedernales Electric Co-op, so they have an endless amount of electricity. <laughs> so if you're, <laughs> if you're in That is a good thing Johnson, to have if you're going to put up Christmas lights. Oh, the, the entire area that down there is completely lit up. I mean, you can play a football game in the streets. It's so bright. But the other thing that's nice about it is the actual town gets involved, and they have a manger scene they do, a nativity scene. They have animals. Mm-hmm. They have a theatrical play, so the kids can walk around. And, I mean, there will be a camel walk by and a, something mm-hmm. else, and every, you know, everybody's dressed up uh, with the nativity scene. And it really is, if you, especially if you've got little kids, it's a great place to go. And the lights in town are phenomenal, and mm-hmm. it's all walking. It's not driving. You can walk okay. through all of this could you drive through it if you wanted to i don't think you can i think you actually have to okay. i mean i don't remember out of the car driving yeah. through it you probably get out yeah but again it's you know, it's a tiny little town so it's just right. basically the town square and one block off of it but gotcha. it really is it's worth the drive it really is good that's good i'm glad you're the, you're the second person to tell me that so david i appreciate that hope you have a merry christmas good to talk to you as always um 210-599-5555 josh is on 550 and 1071 ktsa hi josh hi how are you doing i just wanted to make a quick comment about the uh, kaepernick if uh he's equating uh, uh the nfl to modern day slavery at 660 league minimum sign me up that's pretty much it <laughs> Okay. You're you're willing to put yourself under the yoke, huh? Absolutely, especially yeah. with all the French benefits that come along with it. That's six sixty yeah. is the bare minimum. And what about all the right. advertising, everything right. else? I mean, it's, it's the billionaire or millionaires club. 
that's right. hilarious that he even equates that. It's it's disingenuous to those people uh, hundreds of years ago that were in that, and then the people that are in other parts of the world that are still enduring it. Yeah, it's, I'm, it's I'm glad. Head. I'm glad you said what you just said, Josh, because people people get caught up in the whole. Um, you know, like people get caught up in how much NFL players are paid and and how uh, lush their lives are and and so forth. But the real deal with this comparison is that slavery is not a fixture of the past, where we're just talking about something that that has ended. Slavery is alive. It is it is current. It is going on in many parts of the world. It never stopped. You know, as much as people want to beat up the United States for having been founded by slave owners and for not doing away with slavery at its founding, and that's basically the gist of the of the the slur and the attack of the 1619 Project, the truth about America's founding is that the only way you could have had the emancipation of slaves and the abolition of slaves here in the United States, what the, the seeds for that were planted by and written into the Constitution. And to me what's impressive is it was done by people with slaves and by people who were making money off the institution of slavery and yet could foresee the need, the moral need to end it. So rather than say, well, why didn't they end it immediately? If you know world history, slavery continued in Africa, in Europe, even as we were ending it here. There were more slaves held in Africa by one tribe dominating another than were ever held at the peak of slave ownership in North America. That's a fact. You can look it up. So the the analogy, as, as Josh correctly points out, is offensive not because NFL players make a lot of money, but because there are actual slaves making none all over the world, including in the country we keep bowing and scraping to, and, and and pleading to do business with. What does it say about us that we want to flagellate about 19th century slavery, but we're A-OK with the Chinese having slaves in the 21st century? What does that say? How's that look when you look in the mirror? Thanks for listening. Thank you for being here with me. 210-599-5555 on KTSA. Um, we're talking about Christmas lights. Where do you think the best place, the best neighborhood, the best subdivision, the best part of town? Uh, people are saying Incarnate Word. People are saying Bernie. Um, you know, I've never done, um, I've never done Deerfield. I've heard good things about Deerfield. I've never done Monte Vista, and I've heard good things about Monte Vista, too. So maybe that's an idea. You can tell me. 210-599-5555. Who was the most searched for person? Whose name was the most searched for person in 2021, according to Google? The Google. The number one most searched for person. Well, who would you, if you had to guess, who would you say? Don't look it up. Don't Google it. Who would you guess? It's Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse was the most Googled name in 2021. Right behind him was Tiger Woods, Alec Baldwin, Travis Scott, Simone Biles. Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, the most um, Googled meme... I love this, because I enjoyed this. We had a lot of fun with it. And it happened at the beginning of the year, so you may have remember, you may have forgotten it by now. The most Googled meme of 2021, Bernie Sanders mittens. 
you remember at the inauguration, Bernie Sanders with his giant oven mitt mittens? Yeah. I mean, those mittens were so big, I think AOC was in one of them. I really do. Anyway, that was the most uh, searched meme. Um, the most searched TV show was Squid Game. The most searched news term, this tells you something. What was the most searched news term? Mega Millions Jackpot. So, Hey, we got to know, right? 210-599-5555. The um, latest, I guess maybe this will become a meme, the latest um, rules are for thee but not for me, Maxine Waters. Congresswoman Maxine Waters uh, has been photographed on a uh, United Airlines flight going from D.C. to L.A., not wearing a mask. <laughs> Flight attendants were telling other passengers to put their masks on, pull their masks up. I, I guess that some on some flights they get scoldy. When, when I flew over Thanksgiving, I took the mask down to drink the coffee and stuff, and nobody said anything. They could see that you were drinking. It was fine. You put it back on after you were done drinking. Uh, but I guess on some flights they're a little more particular, and, and the, the person that that dropped a dime on Maxine, said the attendants were all over people for not having their masks on or pulling them up over their nose, but she was allowed to sit there for like over an hour, read her newspaper, and not have her uh, mask on. So, Maxine Waters. Rules are for little people. Not for you. And, and, and I guess now, in addition to saying rules are for little people, I guess, I guess politicians are germ-free. They are... Um, you can't, you can't catch anything from them. Yeah. Did you know that? I wonder if they become that way when they're elected to office or if the only people who get elected to office are these germ-free miracles of science. They can't transmit the virus. They can't catch the virus. They don't need to take any special precautions. We don't have to take any precautions around them. They can go to restaurants. They can be on airplanes. It's all good. It's all safe. It's fine. It's just fine. But do what they say. And if you're Jim Cramer, you do it with eagerness. Jim Cramer is so hoping to please his masters, and they hope he notices how obedient he is every night on CNBC. By the way, thanks to everybody that joined us last night for our live stream with Ken Slavin and Barry Brake and everybody for Rapping with Jack. We had a wonderful time with it. If you missed it, and I had some people say, I did not know that was going to be on, and I I, uh, I would have listened, I come right back to them and I go, well, you still can. It's still You can still find it on the 550KTSA Facebook page, and you can dip right in and, and, and hear, the, hear the songs and hear some of the stories. Um, and again, it's on the KTSA Facebook page. Um, so we have talked uh, a lot this year and over the years about higher education, the price of higher education, um, student loan debt forgiveness is a hot topic politically. There's a guy I like to read. He's a blogger, calls himself Iowa Hawk. His real name is David Burge. Um, he's very funny, but he's one of those people, and I'm sure you know somebody like this, there are people who are very funny, but in the moment where they're making you laugh, they sneak in a little logic. They make you think. And and Iowa Hawk is that kind of a talent on the Internet. So we heard, we heard the news this week that the Biden administration has decided not to extend 
student loan relief. And um, that's going to be a hot political topic. The squad is very angry. Iowa Hawk says if somebody can't pay their student loan debt, forgive them and bill their college for the balance. He says if someone graduates from a college and can't find a job in their major after five years, they should be able to return their diploma for a full refund. What do you think of that? He says nothing, not health care, not housing, nothing has inflated more and faster than the cost of college over the last 20 years. And the chief culprit is easy student lending. It's financing layers and layers of useless administration, luxury dorms, creating a vicious cycle. There are likely colleges and fields of study whose graduates pay back their loans on schedule. No problem. But there are some diploma mills who are basically student loan kiting operations. I mean, it, it makes sense, right? If, if you're selling a product that repeatedly, serially, does not deliver on its promise and simply indebts the customer, the consumer, if it was any other product, we'd be investigating it. We'd have, you know, Dateline NBC doing exposés. I mean, how are they getting away with this? How is the question, how have we come down to making the question, should we forgive student loan debt? That's the, that is literally the last question we should be asking. And I know that hurts the feelings of people with student loan debt. And I don't mean to sound like I'm insensitive to your, your pain or your plight. I'm not. I'm not one of these old guys on the radio that says, well, you, you signed up for it. Now you got to pay. I'm not saying that. That's what the Iowa Hawk is not saying that. He's saying the real problem is a mindset that you were sold, that it would be smart to go into debt. It would be smart to major in poetry or women's studies or whatever. There's a career waiting for you, and it'll be lucrative. And you'll pay off that debt and buy a house and be driving a Tesla in no time. They're selling this. So why not make them pay for it when it doesn't work out? Because if we, if we don't do something that changes their dynamic, we'll never get out of this. And we can forgive all the student loan debt we want. We can run the government printing presses night and day. And I think we already are. That's, that's why we have inflation. But we could print all the money we want. All we'll do is devalue our currency more and inflate college even more. Isn't it time to start asking why are there so many people with so much debt and without an income that would allow them to service the debt and pay the debt? Because didn't most of them take it on with the understanding that their earning, their future earning would, would make this okay? I, I know people. I know families. These are very responsible, reasonable people, but they were sold a bill of goods. That's what he's saying. He says, if a certain major from a university has a 99.5% student loan payback rate, then they're getting their money's worth. And we should expand, we should even expand loans for that program. So if it's working and you're getting the payoff, it's good. I'm all for it. He says, and I agree with him, that I bet we would find if we looked at it that there's an 80-20 rule. 
probably 80% of the bad debt is coming out of 20% of either the colleges or 20% of the fields of study. Either those places are charging too much or providing too little value to the students. I, I, I think he's right. Where do you find fault with that? 210-599-5555. But the idea of going back to the colleges and saying, you know, we got a lot of people from your institution with um, crippling uh, student loan debt. Um, we're going to take it off their shoulders. The colleges will be like, oh, thank you. That's great. And we're going to bill you for it. Wait, what? <laughs> it's your fault. Uh, next couple of weeks, you're going to have some great uh nationally uh, known substitute hosts and we're going to have some special programming around the holidays and um i'll be back with you on january 3rd so it's our last dish of the year i don't want to be all dramatic about that but you know one more time to get your call in on the dish 210-599-5555 speaking of food i this is something i've learned about this year that i didn't know was an actual thing and i've read now read a few things about it there's some blogs about it I first saw it on one of those morning shows, you know, where they do the wacky, the wacky news. Oh, here's a wacky story. All those morning shows is the same, right? There's a guy and a gal, and they giggle about wacky news. We could be a morning show. I just need a gal to, to giggle with. Um, but anyway, and boy, do I. But anyway, um, this is a thing that they call, it's a hobby. It's a real thing. Don't mock it, because these people are serious, but we're going to mock it anyway. It's a hobby called tiny cooking. Have you heard of this? Do you know what this is? Tiny cooking. It's not tiny people. They're regular-sized people, as far as I can tell. This is a hobby where people intentionally make incredibly miniaturized food. So they'll bake an apple pie, but the apple pie is like the size of your pinky fingernail it's got a crust it's got real apples it's real food it's not like a dollhouse thing where you're making all this mocked up stuff it's a real apple pie but it's it's tiny and at first i thought well maybe this is like one of those you know tiktok gags or something but um there are people that are very serious about it. There's different levels of serious. Like some people are making tiny food in a regular kitchen. Some people have a tiny kitchen in which they're making the tiny food. So they, they bake the tiny pie in a tiny oven. Now I've heard of tiny houses. I did not know there was tiny cooking until recently. There's a website called Tiny Kitchen. And um, they have recipes. And the thing about the recipes is the amounts are minute. You know, you and I make a recipe. It's, you know, quarter cup of this, two cups of that. This is like tweezer full, you know, pinch. Takes on a whole new meaning with tiny food. Uh, tiny hamburgers. Tiny loaves of bread. Tiny, uh, here's tiny pretzels. I, I have a question, um, though, and I, I ask this with respect and, and sincerity. Why? Why? I'm never this, my, my, my hunger is never this tiny. Like you say apple pie to me, I'm thinking a slice of apple pie. 
Ice cream? Yes, please. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what are we proving here with the tiny pie? What are we saying here? I, I want to understand that. Because I understand hobbies are just for your enjoyment. It's just to enrich your soul and make you happy and get away from the world. But usually, even in hobbies, some people can sort of, in some way, bring it back to, well, this is why I do it. You know, and, I, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to get people to stop their tiny cooking. I would recommend if you know anyone who's a tiny cook, just make sure you eat before you go to their house. It's a good idea to grab something on the way. Just saying, just, you know, just point that out. But I don't know. What's the point? What are we proving here? I guess the point is that you can do it, right? The point is to show that you have the patience and the steadiness of hand. It's like almost like they're almost performing like delicate surgery, you know? One false move and you've torn up your tiny pie. So anyway, it's a thing. You can Google it. I'm not making it up. I haven't started drinking yet. Tiny cooking, they call it. 210-599-5555. David is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. David, Merry Christmas. Good evening to you. Merry Christmas. I I will say first, uh, the tiny cooking thing has been around a lot longer than than TikTok. But... uh, I think people I, I, I confess to only just recently finding out about it, so you'll have to forgive my ignorance, David. I did no, not know no that worries. it had a long, rich um, uh, culinary history in our country. But what's what's the what is the point of it? I guess is what I'm wondering. I, I think people do it just to see if they can. Like okay. uh, you know, there's people who who take like tiny little bricks and sticks of wood and they build a house right. the exact same way you would build a regular house, but they're just doing right. it on top of a table. So it's like building a model airplane or building a model house. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they built the house. They saw the little, the little ovens in the houses and they decided Mm. to make the ovens actually work. Right. And if the ovens work, well, then let's see if we can actually do something with it. So I think it was just the the intellectual challenge at first to, uh, would you agree, even if it is older than the Internet, would you agree, though, that the Internet probably fuels a lot of it? Because what would be the point of baking a tiny apple pie if you couldn't show everybody that you had done it? Oh, uh, well, I don't know if it's older than the Internet. I'm I'm not the uh, connoisseur of... Oh, I thought you said it was. I thought you said it was. Old. It goes back further than these, these social media sites. Isn't that what you yeah. said? Okay. So my well, point is, I guess, I guess this is one of those... Oh, it's older than TikTok. Okay. I guess my point would be, though, if you did it, you'd want people to know you did it, right? There'd be no, oh, yeah. there'd be no point in doing it and keeping it to yourself. Yeah. Just, you know, like every other little miniature model that you're building, you'd want to show it yeah. off. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, that's a good analogy to compare it to, like, people that build miniaturized villages or miniaturized sailing ships. I've built model airplanes and model ships. You could say, well, what's... What's the point of your model B twenty five, Jack? Or what's the point of your model uh, Titanic? You know, what's that? For? What what good is that doing the world? I, I guess that's true. I do wonder though, like with food, isn't this kind of like playing with food? That was ingrained in me as a kid. Did anybody else get this growing up? We were not supposed to play with food. You could cook it, you could make it for people to eat. But you were not to play with your food. There were, didn't you know there were starving children? And they always said, depending upon your age, where the starving children were always changed, right? Like a certain generation was told, there are starving children in China. And then later on it was, there are starving children in India. 
And then it was, there are starving children, in, and, and then it just kept moving around based on the generation. Don't play with your food. I remember vividly in, I think it was either kindergarten or first grade, we had an art project where we glued dried macaroni to a paper. I think they still do it. My parents were, were offended that we were gluing macaroni. We thought it was great. We'd never done that before. We didn't know you could do it. Bring it home, show it to the parents. They're like, oh, it's playing with food. And they actually said, I'm not making this up for jokes. Somebody could have eaten that. They were right. Somebody could have. That's, that actually is true. But we were gluing it to paper. And that is why we're the country we are today. I don't know. Two, so tiny cooking, a real thing. David says, get with the program, Jack. You should have known about this a long time ago. I'm trying to write a song about Santa Claus, man. Have a holly jolly Christmas. Jingle bells. It's the best time of the year. Now a little musical Christmas gift for you folk out there. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Look, Daddy. Teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Huh, are you kidding? Stick my tongue to that stupid pole, that's dumb. That's cause you know it'll stick. You're full of it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I double dog dare ya. I triple dog dare ya. I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Would you walk up with me? Uh-huh. Rudolph, I think you're cute. I'm cute. I'm cute. Ah, fragile. It must be Italian. Well, I think that's just fragile, honey. Oh, yeah. What is it? Do you know what this is? This is a lamp. Before we begin, since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in the saying of grace. What, dear? Grace. She passed away 30 years ago. They want you to say grace. The blessing. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Amen. 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 You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown! Jingle bells are jingling, the streets are white with snow. The happy crowds are mingling, but there's no one that I know. I'm sure that you'll forgive me if I don't enthuse. I guess I've got the Christmas blues. I've done my window shopping. There's not a store I've missed. Mm. You know, I was thinking about that, uh, Don, when you played that movie montage, which is which is masterful, by the way. That's so well done. Um, one of the fun facts about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is that actress who gives the blessing, Aunt Bethany, at the Griswold uh, table, uh, is an actress named May Questel. And May Questel, that was her last movie role on screen of her life, of her long life. She was in the movies for like 60 or 70 years, but she was best known for being a voice. She was the voice of Betty Boop 
She was the voice of Olive Oil in a lot of the Popeye cartoons. She did a lot of Disney voice work and other things and actually made fewer on-camera appearances, much more off-camera appearances, which makes her my kind of person because I am definitely an off-camera kind of guy. If you've seen me on camera, you know why that is. Jack Riccardi, 4 till 7, News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. Beans, not cornbread, out of sight. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. All right, KTSA News Time is 6.05 on a Friday night. We are ready for your calls on the dish. This is a very different hour of our show. It's not like any other hour we have. It's the last hour of the week, every uh, week. And in this case, it's really the last hour of the year for me. So what we do on this hour of the show is we invite you to talk about, if you so wish, your most recent restaurant experience. You went out to lunch. You went out to dinner. You had a recent uh, special occasion you celebrated. You uh, went to a new place or you found a place that's new to you or you want to sing the praises of an old familiar place that you love. Praise. Oh, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Or zing. Bah, humbug. Mm, yeah. Uh, any restaurant, anywhere in and around San Antonio, any kind of price, any kind of food. It could be breakfast, brunch, lunch, dinner, dine-in, get it to go, drive through. 210-599-5555. It's not a restaurant review, just how you would recommend a restaurant to a friend or a neighbor. But we do ask that you have the complete, correct name of the restaurant, when you call in on the dish. Phone lines are open right now, 210-599-5555. We were just talking about Mae Questel. Um, Betty White has a birthday next month. Betty White will be 100 years old. And she has done just like everything, right? You know, she's done everything there is to do in the entertainment business, won every award, done every kind of different acting and hosting and... Um, you, it makes you wonder, so she's going to be 100 years old, January 17th is the day. It makes you wonder, like, who's the Betty White, who's the future Betty White that we're watching right now? Like, <laughs> is that weird? That's a weird question, right? Like, who are we watching right now that's in their, in the pink of their youth, who someday people will be going, you know, he's 100 years old or she's 100. Like, who knows? We don't know, right? They didn't know. When Betty White was a young woman, and she was a model and an actress, and she was on, you know, variety shows, people didn't know she'd live to be 100. She didn't know that she would live to be 100. I think 100 is something you can't really plan for. I mean, you can be an optimist, and you can be open to aging, and I know people that are like, oh, I want to live to be 100. But you can't count on it. You can't can't lock it in. So they're going to celebrate her. Birthday on January 17th, Betty White. God bless her. Um, 210-599-5555. We're talking restaurants. We're taking your calls to Praise or Zing, your most recent restaurant experience. We were talking about Christmas lights earlier. Where are the best places to drive around and see Christmas lights? There's a story out of British Columbia about a family who says that they're, uh, they have a a display on their front lawn of Santa Claus, the sleigh, the reindeer. Uh, And apparently, real deer have been attacking 
their reindeer display. I never thought about that. But uh, they noticed that uh, they would come down in the morning and their deer would be knocked knocked over, and they thought it was vandals. Well, it was vandals, but it wasn't the two-legged kind. Uh, they found when they put up a camera that uh, local deer were apparently aggravated or felt threatened by, or I don't know what goes through the minds of deer, but um, they were butting into and knocking over. They were attacking the deer. And the woman in the family was saying, we're surprised that the, all the lights wouldn't kind of ward them off or scare them off, but that's what they're doing. So the, the deer are, um, are after Rudolph. And there is a theory that perhaps the deer are in, you know, in season. Perhaps that could be part of it. I had a weird thing happen one time many, many years ago. I don't know if I've told this story on the air or not. I went out to, um, I went way up, uh, like Nacogdoches Road, you know, when you go way past, um, Rolling Oaks Mall and Bracken and all that. I had to go, I actually had to go drop off some papers. Uh, I think that had to do with like buying a house or mortgage or something. It was one of those little offices, those little like, um, they look like little one-story offices that are kind of out in the country. And the guy wasn't there, but he said, just leave it in my mailbox. So I drove out there. It's very dark. I found the place. I pull into the parking lot. It's pitch black. I left the headlights on so that I could walk to the door of this place and put the papers that I had to drop off in this mailbox. And I turned around, and God is my witness, there had to be 12 deer right behind me. Never heard them. They didn't make a sound. And they were, you could have reached right out and touched one of them. And I, it startled me so much that I think I jumped, but fortunately I didn't say anything. I didn't make a noise. I didn't scream like a girl, which I could have. Um, and, so I didn't spook them at first. And they were just staring. And I looked at them, and they looked at me. And I was trying to remember, I've, Jack, come on now, you've watched a lot of nature shows. What are you supposed to do here? Couldn't think of anything. None of them had a red nose. And I think eventually I just stood still, and they just meandered away like they do. But uh, I'm very glad they didn't do what they're doing in Canada to this family's Rudolph display. They've they've apparently broken all the antlers off Rudolph. So they're not fooling around up there in British Columbia. 210-599-5555. Jack Riccardi on 550 and 1071 KTSA. It's the dish for Friday night. We're talking restaurants. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. I was uh, reading about a new place that's getting set to open. Um, called Box Street, and it's an all-day brunch restaurant. And they're having their soft opening this week, and then I guess they're having their grand opening sometime after the holidays, but it's, uh, in, it's in Hemisphere. And um, if you like brunch food, but you're not always able to make um, brunch, they're, this is their deal. They're, they're serving that kind of food. <clears throat> pardon me. And um, they're doing it all day long. So it's a good idea. He started as a food truck, and now it's a restaurant. 
down your hemisphere. Um, 210-599-5555 as we, talk, as we take your calls to praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience on the dish. And I promise at the end of the show, I'll post all of the suggestions we had for places to go and see uh, Christmas lights. People still do. I think people still do that, right, where they drive around and look at the lights and you, you have the kids in the back and maybe you, you get them some hot chocolate. and It's kind of a nice thing to do. Um, it's funny because that's a very retro thing, right? I mean, people have been doing that for decades, and yet now it seems like a very 2021 20, kind of thing because it's driving, you're staying in the car, it's contact-free, you know, this whole thing, so... Kind of in with the, uh, the, everything old is new again. But that is one of the few things that I have done with my daughter that she enjoyed as much as when we were kids, we enjoyed our parents taking us out and, and looking at the Christmas lights. Never, And it's always like, one more street? Oh, come on, can we, don't turn around yet. Let's see what's in that neighborhood. You know, And they kind of talk you into staying out a little longer. Part of it is they want to see more lights, and part of it is they just want to stay out later. We know how this works. We were kids once, too, right? We're talking about restaurants here on this hour, The Dish, taking your calls to praise or zing uh, or any restaurant anywhere in and around San Antonio. But I have, to, I have to share this with you. I'll probably get myself in even more trouble. Of all the things, <laughs> this is so funny, of all the things we've talked about today that could potentially have been offensive, because I know I'm kind of a jerk. I, I, I know. I, it's not, I'm not unaware of it. All the things we've talked about today that were controversial, you know what I'm getting the angry emails about today? Tiny food. The tiny food people are very angry, and their anger is not tiny. They're they're mad. Here's one. This guy. Uh, it's it. There's no signature because they're so mad they can't type it, but the initials are uh, E G. Why don't you tell us your hobbies on the air so we can laugh at those? Subject line, Ray Tiny Food. I, I just, all I was saying was I, I didn't realize it was such a big, pardon the pun, thing. I don't want to stop you from doing it. I'm a freedom guy. You bake those tiny pies, fry up those tiny sliders. I'm, you know, all, I think the thing I said that maybe was offensive was I said, eat before you go to their house. That's, that's all. That's just, you know, news you can use. Grab something before you go. You're visiting people with tiny food. Just saying. All right. Two, are there now? Here's a question. In in sincerity, I'm asking with sincerity, since this is our restaurant segment. Are there tiny food restaurants? I get that this is a hobby where people make tiny food at home, but are there are there restaurants that make tiny food? And are they in tiny buildings? Or I don't. I'm just. I just want to expand my horizons, slightly. In a tiny way. What was, what was that? What was that gag from the movie Zoolander, where he's, um, you know, he's the dumb model, and they're gonna they're gonna build a um, institute for kids who can't read good, and they're showing him the model of the building. You know, it's one of those little tabletop architectural models. Have you seen this movie Zoolander with Ben Stiller? It's a hilarious movie, or it was at the time I saw it. And um, he's looking at the model. They're saying this is where kids will uh, learn to read. And he goes, how can they be expected to learn how to read if they can't even fit into the building? He's furious. He's outraged. The size of this building. 
Kind of think about that with the tiny food, you know. So, if you know, are there tiny food restaurants? Maybe we should give them a little publicity. I mean, a little, because that's all you can give them. 210-599-5555. We're talking restaurants of all sizes on the dish. And we also kind of put the call out, a general call throughout the show. We've been asking about best places so that people will know. Uh, best place is to drive around and look at Christmas lights. Sam is calling in about that right now on KTSA. Hi, Sam. Hi, Jack. How are you doing? Good, good. Merry Christmas, Sam. Merry Christmas. Uh, Thank you. My family, uh, we moved into Wincrest in 1969, and we didn't have any Christmas lights or anything like that. But, I mean, it, we were blown away. Because we were the only house on the street that didn't have any Christmas Ooh. lights. Oh, that's rough. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, people would even put like projectors in their yard with a screen yep. and yep. show the birth of Christ and stuff like that. And then, uh, was it 73, 74? We moved in there in 69. Um, the oil embargo hit mm-hmm. and everything went to, you know what, in a basket. Right. And, um, right. And all of a sudden, there were no lights. And, uh, I mean, and that lasted 20 years, I guess. And uh, Wincrest's little motto is uh, City of Lights. Right. And uh, and they, uh, I think, like, today, they're, in the last 10 years, they've really, really, really come back. Some streets completely are decorated. Mm-hmm. And... Um, um, I, I remember well, I mean, going there years ago, and it was like a almost like a conga line of cars. There were so many people driving through that you could only go like two or three miles an hour, and it was like a, you were in a, a basically you were in like a a moving traffic jam of cars. Is that how it is at this time of year? Yeah, they have uh, the police have put out uh, barriers mm-hmm. where you can't turn left onto this right. street or or whatever. You know, you have to. Keep they kind the of funnel you going, through. But- yeah. But I remember when the oil embargo hit, we went from, you know, everybody had it to where yeah. nobody had it. Yeah. And then over, you know, a decade now or it's two come or back. three, they eventually came back. And um, um, and I'm kind of happy about it, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That was one of the things I was wondering about was, is Windcrest still... Uh, as great as it used to be and uh, for Christmas lights. And Sam says, yes, it is. Sam, thank you, sir, for the call, and thanks for uh, giving us that information. And, um, again, I'll I'll put together a little list, put it up on Facebook right after 7 o'clock. I can't type and talk at the same time. I'm sorry. You didn't, you know, you, 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 didn't, uh, you didn't think I could do that, did you? 210-599-5555. Speaking of Christmas, um, as we have been and will be, um, I thought this was interesting. There was a, a woman on uh, Twitter who said that uh, she was watching television with her 10-year-old, and her 10-year-old, she claims, was bothered by the Christmas movies showing normal, happy people living normal, happy lives because they weren't wearing masks. She says her 10-year-old... Um, questioned, what are these people doing? Don't they know about Omicron? Don't they know about COVID-19? You may or may not believe this woman. She may be one of these people that's trying to make a point. 
by using her kids. That does happen. We know that. But I'm not sure what's worse. If the story is not true, and she's putting these words and these ideas in the mouth of her 10-year-old, or if she's actually raised a 10-year-old who is unable to enjoy a Christmas movie because there aren't masks. I wonder when we'll get to the point where the the television networks will just start uh, CGIing masks onto old movies, right? I mean, they could do that. Oh, you're watching Miracle on 34th Street. Just slap a just slap a CGI mask, right? Edwin Gwynn, just give him that mask. There he is. There he now he's up to date. I wonder why they don't do that. They colorize old movies. They edit out dialogue or references that are considered dated or might now be offensive. Why not just CGI some masks on everybody? Let's, let's do that. Let's let's ruin all the old movies. I don't know. Can't enjoy the Christmas movies. Because they're not wearing masks. Wow. I guess, I, I, I suppose someday in the future, I hope, there'll be a young person watching a television show or watching some footage, old news footage, and they'll, they'll have to ask someone in their life, hey, how come all these people have masks on? Have you ever thought about that? I mean... That's a good thing, right? If we get to a point someday where people who are under a certain age don't know what the mask thing is, that will mean we came out of it. That will be a good thing. I hope that happens. I don't know about this one. to get the vaccine and is it safe for him to go in the house well i have to say i took care of that for you because i was worried that you'd all be upset so i took a trip up there to the north pole and i vaccinated santa claus myself i measured his level of immunity and he is good to go he can come down mm. the chimney and you have nothing to worry about oh. santa claus is good to go it's uncle tony This is why I always say never let your kids use the Internet without direct parental supervision. You never know who they're talking to online. Look what just happened there. Let this be a lesson. I think Jack means it. 639 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Uh, Coming up at the end of our show, um, and this has become kind of a, I realize that we've actually done this for the last few years. Uh, It's kind of a tradition. Uh, We're going to play a very special, seldom-heard piece of music in honor of Christmas being now almost a week away, um, or just over a week away. Um, And so we'll end our show with that. And it's, it's something that is too, to me, it's too special to just have as bump music coming back from a commercial break. So you'll hear, you'll understand when you hear it. Um, and, and you may have heard us play it before. We, we often play it at the end of the last show we do before Christmas, which this is that this year. Uh, we're talking, uh, talking restaurants on the dish, 210 599 5555. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. We were also talking about Christmas lights and driving around looking at Christmas lights. I saw a story about a guy who 
um, had a great idea. This is a guy idea. Sorry, ladies, but this is something a guy would think of. He was going to do is uh, put up his Christmas lights with a drone. He had a drone, and he was going to rig the, the drone to carry the lights. The idea would be that he could fly this drone around. I think he wanted to do like a, a thing around his, his, the big tree in his yard or something. So, you know, the drone would carry the lights and he'd circle the tree and it sounds good, right? This is a, to guys, this sounds like a good idea, but a lot of things in history have sounded like a good idea to guys. You know, you know what I'm saying? And this is one that did, the drone crashed. Not sure if it was too much weight. Or he flew it into the branches. I think they're investigating now. They're trying to figure out the cause of the drone crash. D- don't don't try this at home. If you have a drone, don't decorate your uh, your house with it. Um, I posted this on Facebook today. It's gone viral. It is a Chevrolet holiday ad, and I'm gonna I'm gonna warn you now. You want to see this? Trust me. I don't care if you drive a Chevy or not. But I'm going to warn you right now, even if you're the kind of person who says, oh, you know, I don't really get emotion. Things like that don't really get to This one, Don, you, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? This one is going to get to you. And I think the actor is John Hamm, the guy from uh, Mad Men. I, I think that's him in the, in the, in the ad. But anyway, um, I won't give it all away. You need to watch it. It's on my Facebook page. It's um, it's a Chevrolet ad. There's a short version of it running on television, but you want to watch the, the, the four-minute one that you can see only online. And it's a man who, he opens this, this barn on his property, and in the barn is this old, what turns out to be a, a 65 Chevy, all covered in dust and clearly unused, hasn't been touched in years, and he looks at it very sentimentally and at first you maybe think he just you know this is his old car but then he gets in the car and he picks up off the dashboard a snapshot of a pretty lady and we realize this is a man who's recently lost his wife this is her old convertible this is him you know like maybe you would visit somebody's grave or you would look at a photo album. He goes out and sits in the car and thinks about her, and he gets choked up. And that's that's emotional enough. Then his, his adult daughter comes into the picture, and she decides to do something about this. And I won't say any more. you got to watch the whole thing. But I don't think you'll get through it you can blame allergies or you got something in your eye or, you know, you've got a cold or whatever, but I don't think you'll get all the way through the four minutes. And I, I know I'm a car guy, so maybe that's part of my bias because this is a really beautiful car in the ad. But it's such a nice, uplifting, upbeat. It's, it's, it's really the kind of thing we, we need because it's not really an ad about cars. Chevy doesn't even build convertibles or impalas anymore that's not that that doesn't look like any car chevy builds anymore it's not about the car it's about the fact that in our lives are people who need us and they need us not to be 
Republicans or Democrats or conservatives or liberals or Trump voters or Biden voters. Those are all important things, but they need us in a, in the moment. There are people in our lives that just need us to be there with them or be there for them or, or just to notice them. You know, I say this a lot during the Rapping with Jack campaign. Part of having a present is is that these families need the things we give them, but part of it is also, hey, I, somebody knows I'm out here. I think people are struggling with that, maybe more than ever. Somebody knows I'm alive. I count. I matter. I'm not invisible. And the, the, to me, the takeaway from this ad is that this man who is trapped in this painful grief is not alone. And I would hope and pray that no one is or needs to be. So I hope you get to check it out. It's worth the four minutes it will t- you've wa- <laughs> You and I have wasted a lot more than four minutes on stuff on the Internet, right? You'll be glad for this one. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. That's Perry Como right there, the sound of the season. If you're over a certain age, watching him on television every Christmas time was like standard, you know, everybody did it. The Perry Como Christmas special every year. Uh, 210-599-5555. Gordon is on KTSA. Hi, Gordon. Jack Riccardi. Merry Christmas. How are you? Merry Christmas. we got to go quick. Do you have one for us? Yes, i got a praise and a zing for Chewy's in Selma, Texas from across what happened? the forum there. Well, the wife and I went in there for lunch last week and uh, sat down and ordered up uh, our meal, and they brought us out uh, some nice warm chips, and then uh, the the dips, the salsas they brought out was a, a bowl of uh, cold water, foamy cold water with tomatoes and a little bit of cilantro in there, and then the other one was... Uh, uh, ranch dressing with uh, some green sprinkles in there, and I thought to okay. myself, "What is this? I mean, this must be Tex-Mex." So we got. So you didn't like the you didn't like the dips? Is that it? Oh uh, well, that was that. I guess they're catering to the Yankees and the Californians oh. that are moving down <laughs> okay. here. But, right, uh, Gordon, I'm out of time here, Gordon. I'm sorry. I, you needed to make it quick. I just I ran out of time. I I'm sorry. I'm sorry you didn't like the dip at, at Chewy's. Um, where am I going here? Well. All right, I want to I want to leave you with a quick thought before we we wrap up because this is it for you and me for a couple of weeks. Um, and I said this at the start of the show, and I really believe this. If you um, if you think about the the obsession over the last two years, it's been COVID. 
don't get it, how not to get it, how to be safe from it. And I just hope in the new year we can put that in its place. Yeah, take the steps, wash your hands, be safe, but we got to stop living as if the entire point of life is the avoidance of a virus, right? I mean, this isn't some deep, profound thought. I'm sure you've thought of it before, too, but we've got to... We've got to, we, not they, not waiting for politicians, we've got to put this in its place in our lives. I know most of us already have. I hope we can do more of it. We have to start living and, and enjoying life. The point of life, the reason we're all here, is not to not get COVID. On that note, I want to leave you tonight with uh, a piece of music we always like to play on the way out before Christmas. Um, it's a traditional uh, this this composition actually goes back to the 16th or 17th, I think, century. But it's uh, a young Jackie Ivanko who first came to fame as one of those uh, reality singing show stars. And it's P.A. Yesu. And I hope you enjoy it. It's special. It's different. You don't hear it very often. And I will see you back here on January 3rd. Hope you have a happy, healthy, blessed Christmas.